you, Brother Sullivan. You may be seated. Thank you so much for that fine invitation to come back again and be on your fellowship here. I would like to say that I have never had a meeting at any time in my life that I have enjoyed any more than what I have this one. This, I didn't know that you had this wonderful, lovely fellowship here in Ohio like this, and I'm so glad to be here with you. And I certainly want to thank my gracious friend, Brother Sullivan, that I have learned to love as a Christian gentleman. I like a man that's just man. Wife and I were in a little restaurant today, eating, and he came in. And after we had gone out, she said, Brother Sullivan appears to be such a, just a real person. I said, that's the way I have found him, just a real person. God bless you, Brother Sullivan. And your little church, and the members of this church is here. You're fortunate to have a pastor like Brother Sullivan. You brothers here, I've never got to meet many of you that's cooperating here in the meeting. Each one knows your pastor, and he's here. Your pastor represents himself here because that he believes in this kind of a ministry. So you be thankful for your pastor, and you should always be at your post of duty. Stand clear and clean for Jesus. And I also want to thank this uh, manager, whatever his title is, that let us have this Chautauqua Grounds. This has been a nice meeting that we have gathered here where it's cool and in a building it would have been so hot, but we had the privilege of sitting under this canopy here, and so we're very thankful to the man. And all the brethren and sisters and friends of mine from down home, Jeffersonville and Louisville and around, they tell me that they can get the finest meal here for about 90 cents. About one-third of what you'd pay for a hotel room, they get it here, fine accommodation. They've got their skating rink and swimming pool so far back that it doesn't interfere with the speaking service. It's a perfect place for this type of meeting. We thank God that there's still open doors like this in America, and this is one of them. May it stand till Jesus comes for the same principle. And now, for my wife and all my staff and myself, we appreciate your fine cooperation and for the money that you have given so it would be possible to pay off all the debts. Everything is clear, cleared up last night, and they told me they gave me a love offering tonight. I'm grateful for that. I never come for that, but I put that in on foreign missions. I work on a salary from my church. I get $76 a week after everything's taken out from my church. $100 is what I'm allotted, $5,200 a year. And the meetings, what the love offerings do, is going to foreign missions to help the heathen where my heart, and when I get enough build up in a fund to send me overseas to preach where I know they'll have to answer at the day of judgment, 
for what money the people give to me, then I might give it to many fine societies, Red Cross, all the others, and the Red Feather, and many missionary societies. But knowing that I'm going to have to answer for it, and I do not belong to any denomination, not because I don't believe in them, I do. But because I don't belong to them, it's that I can stand in between them all and say, we are brethren. My ministry is a ministry trying to unite the body of Christ together. Not unite denominations to one denomination, but unite brothers and sisters as one group of people, one in purpose, one in heart, one in unity, to see the coming of the Lord Jesus. I believe that the most need tonight for divine healing, which we know and look at these cots and stretchers and so forth, and I don't see one that was here last night is here tonight. Every cot, stretcher, and everything emptied up last night. Blind received their sight. Lame, cripples, arthritis, and things got up and walked away. Well, may it be so tonight with you, my dear friends, who sit in here. That's my sincere prayer. Just a few moments ago, hobbling along behind the curtain when I was standing there, shaking hands with some of my friends, a little girl popped into mind the one in Finland. She is polio. She had braces over her limbs and walking with crutches. She passed by and looked up, and tears come in her little eyes. I hugged her up in my arms, and as certain as I'm standing in this pulpit, that child will walk without the crutches or with the her attitude and her approach. And you, it's your attitude. You, you have to come with the right kind of an approach to God. If you come selfish, if you come in any other approach but the right mental attitude towards God or any divine gift, you'll never receive any benefits from it. You've got to come with your surrendered all to God. Look at the Syrophian woman when she, she was told by Jesus, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and feed you dogs. What would you have said if he called you a dog? You'd have said, I'll join the next church. But not her. She knew who she was talking to. She said, Lord, that's right. You're so right in that. But the dogs is willing to eat the scraps on the master's table. That got him. That was it. That's what he's waiting for you to do. Humble yourself into such a place. No matter how God sends it to you, if you're healed instantly, if you're healed by degrees, if you're, if you're put off for like Abraham was 25 years waiting for the promise. But instead of getting weak, he got stronger all the time, giving praise to God. Just so that you know that God promised it and you accept it for yourself, it's got to come to pass. Just remember now, as I go on record in these tapes, I say this with all my heart, that if any persons will take the right mental attitude towards any divine promise that God has made, he'll bring it to pass. If you can take the right attitude towards what he said, it'll bring it to pass. I've seen sarcomas cancer leave people by that same thing. Now, maybe you won't be able to receive enough for just to deliver you all of a sudden. But I might say tonight, this closing, I want to talk to you a moment. 
and say this, if you can't receive enough faith to, to be healed instantly, then you take the adopted baby route. Did you ever hear of adopting a baby? Now, if you take a young woman, she'll maybe be married, and, and she and her husband, and she's scared she isn't going to have a baby. She wants one. And she's so scared she won't have it, she won't. Because, as like Job said, the things that I feared the most come up on me. But you take that same woman, now if there's doctors, which probably is, sitting by, nurses, you take that same woman and let her adopt the baby, then she'll have one herself. See? It quietens her. Now, if you haven't got enough faith to receive it right now as a miracle, then take the adopted baby attitude. Lord, it's mine because you promised it. I'll go from here tonight praising you just the same as I was well. Watch what happens. You'll receive it. It has to happen. God promised it. So he's the infinite God. And if you can feel just the least little speck of faith that tells you that you'll be all right, you believe it. And just go on thanking him for it. And then, you remember, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but there were ten days up there thanking the Lord and praising him for the promise of the Holy Ghost. And then all of a sudden it came like a rushing wind. So you believe that with all your heart. Just remember that. Little boy in the wheelchair, the little colored lad. Fine-looking young fellow sitting here looking at me on a pillow. The little white boy is sitting there. This young man laying here on the stretcher. To you out there that's dying with heart trouble, may not live through the night if God don't help him. Tuberculosis, cancer eaten, whatever you may be. If the doctor has given you up, don't lose courage. God is still on the throne. You can believe that and accept that. I've never seen it fail. I'm 50 years old, been in the ministry 30 years, prayed for millions of people. I've never seen it fail when a true heart comes to God and believes with all that's in you, having faith that he'll do it, he'll do it. Thank you for your kindness, for the offerings, and for all you've done. And uh, I don't have to say any more than, God bless you. And to me, that's the greatest word there is. If God will bless me, everything else will be all right, as long as God blesses me. Now, We've got to leave in a few moments to Jeffersonville. Tomorrow's services in Dallas Tabernacle. I don't guess I'll get to be there. And to you, uh, my, we got many here from Jeffersonville. And I don't guess I'll get to be there, but next Sunday, the Lord willing, I'll be there. And now, you, just as soon as I can, I'm leaving for overseas, for Sydney, Australia, New Zealand, Siam. Into Africa, I want to meet my good friend, Brother Tom, here that spoke to you this afternoon. Thank you for your kindness to him and your support. I love little Tommy here, and he's, he's my brother. And I aim to be with him this coming spring in South Africa. I wonder if you'd do me a favor, if you'll pray for me. That's the greatest thing I know to do, is pray for me. And when I'm in Africa, other places, and when a ministry like this, Witch doctors don't stand back to challenge it. And holy man in India and so forth. But I've never seen a time of what God always wrote over the enemy. I'm always depending on your prayers as I go. So pray for me. I'll be praying for you. 
And if I never meet you again this side of the river, I hope I do. But if I don't, I want an appointment with you just as soon as we cross over a thousand years of peace with each one of you. We'll sit down to the evergreen tree, and there we'll talk of the Chautauqua up here in Ohio. God bless you till then. Now, Brother Sullivan, I wanted him to do something in my meetings, and I had him to read a scripture tonight, or a, a chapter, the most of it. And I want to speak tonight for just a short time on the subject of, found in Deuteronomy 32, 11. I want to take the first phase of that eleventh verse that Brother Sullivan has just read. As the eagle stirreth up her nest. Now let us bow our heads just a moment for prayer. How many would like to be remembered in prayer tonight? Just raise up your hands and say, God, remember me. He knows your heart. Thank you. Gracious Lord, we humbly come now in the name of the Lord Jesus, knowing that we have no name or no righteousness that we could offer to thee, but we come humbly believing that you will hear us because he has told us, Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. Then, Lord, our motives and objectives is also connected with this. And search our hearts and see if it be anything evil or prejudice or in any way. Only for the glory of God we ask you to pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord, tonight in the deepest measure that you've ever poured it upon us. There are sick and afflicted here also that are setting under great expectations, perhaps their first night of being here, and have never seen sick people healed as they have faith to believe. Maybe they have never seen the promise of the Lord Jesus made manifest. But, oh, God, grant tonight that their hearts will be thrilled beyond measure, that the Holy Spirit will get a hold of them and give them divine faith, and will anchor in them a faith that will not take no for an answer, but they will be delivered from their sickness and affliction, every one of them. Lord, we would not forget to pray for these fine ministers of the gospel, Brother Sullivan and all the others who have stood by faithfully in this meeting. We pray that you'll increase their ministry, Lord. May they go tomorrow to their pulpits with a, a fresh anointing. May they preach the gospel like they never have before. May every member's heart be charged with power of faith. May great signs and wonders accompany their ministry, showing forth the near coming of the Lord Jesus. We will not forget those who are bedfast in convalescent homes and in hospitals that could not get out to the meeting. Lord God of mercy, you still have angels at your command, and you can send them to their bedsides and weep. Pray, God, that you'll do it and heal the sick and the afflicted. Save all that's lost, Lord. Fill those with the Spirit that has not yet been filled. And we pray forever 
denomination in every church in the land. May there come a time when our hearts are melted together as one for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Be near us now. Bless your word as it's been read, and may the scriptures be fulfilled tonight that said, My word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which it was purposed for. Grant it, Lord, for we ask it in the name of Jesus, thy Son. Amen. Now, in a few minutes, as soon as we speak to you just a little on the Word, I wish that every sinner tonight would be ready and would have faith to accept Jesus as your Savior. Now, I was asked the other night with some of the boys, I spoke on the subject once in, over in Kentucky. And I believe once that my tabernacle, as the eagle stirreth her nest and fluttereth over her young. We all know it pertains to Jacob, as the brother has just read the holy writings. And when I read this one time, I began to think, why did God liken his heritage to eagles? But he had a reason for it. And you know himself, he likened himself to an eagle, too. He's Jehovah Eagle. And I went to studying on the eagle. As my first Bible was the outdoors, when I was a little boy, my parents were not Christians. And the only Bible that I had was watching the outdoors, how that animals and how that life, how a flower would go down into the dirt, rise up again in spring, how that sap in a tree would go down into the roots in September. Before any snow, there has to be some great intelligence run that sap in the ground. If it did not, it would freeze up in the tree and it would die. What is it that governs the tree that makes it hold its a sap in the roots where it's warm, and then bring it back into the spring and produce fruit and stuff again. It's beyond any shadow of doubt. There has to be something to it. And it's not something uh, just by nature because it's an intelligence. How the trees differ from each other. I've watched the bird life and the animal life and seen them, how they would live and how the God cared for them. Then I went to studying the eagle, and I learned that there's 40 different kinds of eagles. Many of them, the word eagle means uh, terror with the bill. And learning that there's 40 different types of eagles, and the eagle is not a vulture. He kills his meat, he eats his own prey, and then I noticed that also, an eagle is a bird that soars high. There's not a bird in the earth that can follow an eagle. He goes so high, if the hawk would try to follow him, he'd just disintegrate in the air. And he hasn't got an eye to no ways compare with the eagle. 
And now the eagle could fly so high that if another bird tried to follow him, he would die before he got halfway to him. And then in order to go so high, he has to be a special built bird. His birth and all about him has to be something special to stand that altitude. And so is the church. The man that's born again of the Spirit of God is a special built born person. It takes a special birth to stand it, to stand the spheres and the glory and the power that God leads his children into. And then his eye is so keen. If he goes so high and he cannot see when he's up there, his altitude wouldn't do him any good. But he can see farther than any other bird. Therefore, God likened his prophet unto eagles. For higher you go, the further you can see. And the prophet rises into a sphere to go way so high until he sees things coming, then comes back and warns the people. Then again, the eagle also is equipped with two great powerful wings. And the feathers you could not pull out with a pair of flowers. Oh, they have to be tight. Or when he gets up into that altitude in them storms, they would come out and he'd fall. So he's got two wings. And I'm going to liken those two wings to the New and Old Testament that Jehovah Eagle spreads out before us. And also, this eagle renews his youth. Now, when an eagle gets so old, something happens to him. And then he comes back again as a young eagle. Oh, in the mountains, I've watched them and been amazed at them. How that he renews his youth ever so often. And I'd say that that would be the revival. I remember the first Pentecostal revival I was ever at. I was a young Baptist preacher, and I was at Mishawaka, Indiana. And they were having a conference, and I believe the denominations was called PA of W and PA of JC. You might, some of you people at Pentecostal might remember those. I come down the street, and I went in to hear this revival, I thought. And when I did, he said, all preachers come to the platform. There's about 300 of us there. I'd been listening that day to fine young preachers preaching about the coming of the Lord Jesus and all about what he did on earth. And they were scholars and gentlemen and spirit-filled men. But, of course, their church manners wasn't very good. They screamed and shouted and carried on. I didn't understand that. But then... That night when he had us all on the platform, and he said, we have chosen tonight elder so-and-so, an old colored man, and you're the poor old crippled fella come out on the platform. I don't know he was crippled, but he had a long preacher's coat on, the old-fashioned with a velvet collar, and I believe we used to call it pigeon tail coat, claw hammer coat. 
way down, and he just had a little rim of white hair around his neck. And the poor old fellow come out something like this to the platform. And he tucked his text from over in, I believe, Job 7. Read something like this. Where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. And me, about 23 years old, youngest preacher on the platform, I thought, what would they do to put an old man like that up there before about 1,500 people when they got all those fine young scholars? But he changed from what the boys had been preaching on. He preached on what went on in heaven while that day they preached on what went on in earth. He had been preaching about ten minutes. And he began to bring him all across the heaven and coming on the second coming down the horizontal rainbow. And about that time something struck the old gentleman and he jumped up into the air and clicked his heels together and hollered, whoopee. He said, glory to God. And he had as much room as reassure, tipped off that platform like a young man said, you've got, got enough room up here for me to preach. I said, if it will do an old man like that, what would it do for me? I'll want what he's got. It renews your youth. The eagle renews his youth ever so often. And he's a special bird all around. God makes him thus. And I have great honor for him. And. About five years ago, I was down to your fair city here in Cincinnati. I brought my little girls up for the zoo. And wife taken the oldest girl, Rebecca, and she taken her over to one side to see some kind of a little uh, monkey was in the room. I didn't like the smell of that place. so. I told her Sarah and I would go down below the hill, and I heard something of bouncing and beating, and I walked up there with little Sarah, about three or four years old, and I held her by the hand. She said, Oh, Daddy, such a huge bird, and an eagle is the largest among the bird family. Sometimes the big mother eagle, which is larger than the father, they stretch 14 feet from tip to tip. And someone had captured this big eagle and had put him in a cage. And that poor fellow, I never felt so sorry. If I could have bought him, I'd have bought him. And he had no feathers on his face or on his head. On the ends of his wings was all beat off and he was bleeding. And the big fellow was laying on the floor, and he got up, walked back the other side of the cage, and he ran and lifted those big wings and threw himself against those bars only to beat his head, and his wings fell back in the floor again, rolled his head, went back again, there he come again, and he flew upward, and he beat his head and wings flying 
until the blood was running out, he fell back to the floor, laid out, looked at his weary eyes. As he rolled his eyes and looked around towards the skies, I thought, what a pity! He's a heavenly bird. He was built and made and born and generated to fly in the heavens. But he's caged. Some smart, intelligent trapper had caged him and caught him. I thought that's the most pitiful sight that I ever seen. I could, I could take weeks of wages and buy that poor fellow and turn him loose because he wasn't made for a cage. He was made to be free in the air. I thought that was horrible. Then my mind changed when I stood and looked at the sons and daughters of God who were born to be sons and daughters of God, walking around dressed in morally smoking cigarettes, drinking. It's more pitiful to see a son of God that was born to be a son or a daughter of God, slaved by the world, and it is to see the eagle in the cage. The world has caged people up. Denominational barriers. Keeping them from the thing that God put them on earth to be, sons and daughters of God. And that's a pitiful sight to see human beings that's helpless seemingly, bound by sin, and merely beating their brains out, flopping around from beer parlor to beer parlor, from place to place and from amusement to amusement, trying to find satisfaction when God alone has the satisfaction that can satisfy them. God made a man to thirst after him. There's a reason man has something in him to thirst. God put that thirst in you, but you can't satisfy it with the things of the world. You'll never be satisfied till God takes that place. God likened his eagles, or his heritage to his eagles. Let's take what the eagle does. Another thing the eagle does, and when he builds his nest, he builds it way high. I've watched them when they get to the highest point that they can get to to build their nest. That's likened unto the church of the living God. It makes it stand. For the highest ambitions and the highest thoughts and the holiest things away from the earth-bound things. That's where the church takes her stand. On the highest pinnacle she can stand on, that's on Calvary, the cross of the Lord Jesus. The eagle puts his nest up there. How different from his denominational brother, the chicken. The chicken builds his nest anywhere, yet you can't say he's not a bird. He is. But he don't know nothing about the heavenlies. He's never been up there. He don't know nothing about it. There's men and women who profess to be Christians, who walk around in the scratching of the barnyards of some cold, formal, indifferent place, 
they don't know what it is to be lifted up into the Spirit of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would kill him. He isn't built for it. He can't take it. He's got to be born again by the Holy Spirit that changes his whole makeup and makes him a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're changed from the creature that you are when you are born again of the Spirit of God. Another thing, the chicken is unconcerned about the brood. He builds his nest on the ground. And the rats, the mice, the weasels, the snakes can get them. That's what loose preaching does. Letting people go through the rock and rolls and wear, women wearing these immoral clothes, deacon smoking cigarettes. It takes them into the rats and the mice of hell that spreads their souls and condemns them. A preacher or a denomination or a church that would try to build a congregation on anything less than the solid rock of God's Word. You're wrong, and your members will perish, and you'll perish with them. But the eagle is going to see different to that. He'd go so high that if a rat tried to climb it, he'd break his neck. I love that God takes his children so high above the things of the world. The rats can't climb to it. The different bird. And he's made different. He protects his little ones. And a true pastor of the living God will never stand still in the pulpit. But what he'll preach the unadulterated truth of God. If he has to run all the chickens out, he'll stand on the unadulterated word, not on the rock of Gibraltar, but the rock of ages. Then it's faith. Faith cannot rest upon the shifting sands of man's theology, but faith takes its eternal stand upon the unchangeable and unshakable rock of ages and can stand there while the waves is beating the bottom of it out, and a grave is open and look across the sea to him and said, I'm the resurrection and life, saith God. Stand there. Notice the chicken is different. His habits are different. His diet is different. Then this eagle, before he builds this nest, he first he finds a place to build it. And then when he goes to build it, he carries great, big, heavy sticks because sometimes he goes into a cleft in the rock. The eagle usually hunts the cleft. And the true church of the living God will get into the cleft of the side of Jesus, the rock of ages. We're up on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it, or no rats of the world will touch it. Scallywags and so forth of the world that brings in and draws back. God sanctifies his people and fills them with the Holy Ghost and places them up. Amen. They're different. And then the eagle 
when he gets all these big sticks gathered around, all their architects, you should see one build his nest, how he takes the ends of them and pushes them down into the little crevices. And then when he gets that done, he goes out and gets long briars, great big thorns, and he weaves through that nest so them sticks won't move. But of course, then it's full of stickers. Then he goes out and gets rabbit skins that he had eaten. The rabbit gets lamb skins where he had eaten the lamb. And he takes it up there and takes his beak and he pushes it down. And he makes it real cozy. That's the way God does for his people. Do you remember when you were first coming to the living God? I remember the night when I received Christ as my personal Savior. It was so soft, I thought I was walking on air. I was converted in an old coal shed. And when I come in, I didn't know nothing about shouting or praising the Lord. So I felt so good, I, I didn't even touch a board coming up from the shed to the house. I grabbed the songbook and began to look at it and, and, and my Bible and begin to read. And Mother said, what are you so nervous about? I said, nothing. I went out behind the house as a railroad track, run down a levee. And I got out on the railroad track. And I thought, it's time for me to go to heaven. I jumped just as high as I could jump and screamed just as loud as I could scream. It felt so good. I tell you, when you're born into the house of the living God, there's something comfortable about it. God makes it so. He makes it nice for his little eaglets when they're born. I'm so glad to be one of them. And then after the little ones are born, they got a nice little cozy bed to lay on and everything's just nice and going good. Then the first thing you know, this mother eagle takes an ocean after she sees some feathers coming on to her eagles, her eaglets. She takes an ocean and she's determined they're not going to be earthbound. You know, God takes that too. He don't want you to be all just bound down by the things of the world. She takes the notion that she's not going to let her little eaglets become like chickens. I'm glad that God does the same thing. He don't want you chicken scavengers. He wants you an eagle. And so then, she looks them all over good until she thinks that, that they've got enough feathers on them. So then she, she goes in the inside of the nest. And she takes her big beak and pulls all of that rabbit skin and sheep skin out of there and throws it out. And then every time those little eagles start to sit down or step, it's stickers and thorns. What's the matter? She don't want them to get adjusted to the nest. That's the way God does his church. He throws trials and tribulations on you. Every son that cometh to God must be tried and chased of God. Amen. He don't want you to get adjusted to this world. Maybe he throws you on a bed of sickness. Maybe he lets you have a heart trouble, a sticker. Everywhere you turn, there's a sticker. The little fellows just can't stand it. And sometimes they get all sore. For every time they start to hunker down, a sticker sticks them. Oh, every one that's ever experienced the birth of an eagle, yourself being one of Jehovah's eaglets, you know what I'm talking about. Trials and temptation. Almighty God taking his own son into the wilderness and turned the devil loose on him. 
mature. And every son that cometh to God is tried and chastened of God. Trials and tribulations. Get bankrupt. Everything go wrong. Lose your business. Lose, your friends walk away from you. Sticker here and a sticker there. Just remember, God's testing you. God's going to do something for you. I remember my own father told me, pack your clothes and get out of here with that kind of a religion. I did. But, oh, I've never been sorry. Then, I remember also, those little birds after they're stuffed and then the old mother sees them, they're all sore, they're all stuck in the feet, maybe like some of you here tonight, sick and afflicted, all stickered up. Poor little fellows are chirping and running along one another. She comes up on the nest, and she begins to scream at them, gathering them together, all in one place and one accord. You see, she wants them to know her language. God does the same thing. He wants you to learn his language. So he's going to take them on a soul flight, the first one. So the old mother eagle, she gets up there. She stands on the nest. And she screams to them. They scream back so they can talk her language. I like that. Then while she's got them all up there together, she spreads forth them great big wings. Oh, they look up and say, Mama, I never knew you were so great. Did you ever get in trouble where the doctor says you can't live no longer? Or you think you're gone? And you ever seen the Old and New Testament spread before you? How great thou art! How great thou art! You never knew how great he was until you turned your little sick eyes and looked up towards him. Jehovah Eagle standing there. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jehovah Eagle. How great thou art! Then they begin to look. And as they look at that great mother, did you ever look up to the stars sometime? Wonder how everyone keeps this place. Did you ever think about who controls this world? How it stands in its orbit? How that science can predict to the minute, 20 years before, how the moon and sun will pass for the cliff? How great thou art! How great thou art! Did you ever notice how much, why he, he can, he can take the sun and draw more water in five minutes? And less noise, and we can pump out a gallon bucket out of a pump. He's God. He's great. And we look up to him to see how great he is. That's what he's trying to do when he fans that Old Testament and New Testament before you. Look at me, how great I am. That old mother eagle presses back and forth. I've watched him many times through my binoculars. There she stands with those great wings, 14 feet across. The little eagle said one day, our mommy is a great bird. How a church, how a man that's got God, accepted Christ as his personal Savior, and he begins to look up there and see how God great is, how, he, how great he is. Then this old eagle decides that those little fellows have got enough feathers to fly, but there might be some loose feathers in them. And if they have any loose feathers and she takes them on a flight, They'll break their neck. So she gets them all in one accord, in one place, all talking her language. And then she stands there with those great big wings, 
and begins to fan furs over her young. What's she doing? She's teaching them. They've been born in the cliff, but there is a mighty Russian wind that comes down from the mother's wings out of the New and Old Testament. That same God that's always been God. He's God of Abraham. He's God of Moses. He's God of Jacob. He's God of the apostles. He's God in the housetop. He's God in the cellar. He's God forevermore. And he stands there in that Russian mighty wind, that same God that led the Hebrew children out of the fiery furnace, led Moses to the wilderness. That same God is bringing forth a power through those wings that shake ever loose that it is in you out. The trouble the church can't take its flight today, it's got too many loose feathers. Too many things, too many things in the world. Well, to take all the loose feathers out, you'd have no more feathers. The old mother eagle stands there and she bathes them. Oh, they're all talking her language, screaming right back to her. And she's fanning them with the New and Old Testament. Bring and show them it's the same God, same one, same power, same Jehovah. He treats, he treats every one of these eaglets the same way. A mother eagle doesn't change her course. She gives her eaglets the same training. Now she says, children, you've never been on a flight like this, but I'm not afraid to take you now because you are eagles. So she says, jump up on my wing. And she turns herself, spreads forth her great big wing. Every little eagle jumps up on his wing and puts a foot here a foot here and takes his little beak and holds on. That's how you come to Christ, holding on to the cross with soul, body, and spirit. You're going to take a ride. That's how you take a hold of the promise of God. If God was a healer in the Old Testament, He was a healer in the New Testament, He's a healer today. Take a hold of it, soul, body, and spirit. Or you're going on a trip. I hope we take it tonight. Hold on. You can't pull them feathers out, see? She's got a reason for him. He's still an eagle. He's happy then. He knows he's an eagle. He's been born an eagle. And he sees that he's the same as she is. So he puts his little beak down, takes a good tight hold. All right, Mommy, let's go. That old eagle mother walks it into that nest, takes them big wings and holds them out. She soars off of that nest with that little eagle sticking on her wings. And she climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs till she gets plumb out of sight almost. So far up in the air until you can hardly see the ground. I've watched them through my binoculars until they look like little spots. You know what she does when she gets up there with them little babies? She shakes them everyone off. They're eagles, they can take it. If they're chickens, they're gone. <laughs> If they're eagles, they're made for it. When you're turned loose after you're prayed for and the prayer of faith has been set, or you've accepted Christ as your healer, I don't care who tells you something different. If you're an eagle, you'll hold to God's promises. I don't care. No shaking or nothing else can ever shake you loose from it. Might be 50 doctors stand by and tell you you're dying. You wouldn't believe it. You're an eagle. You know the promise. And as soon as she shakes them off, she says, all right, children, it's all up to you. Now, you've never flown before. You haven't had any seminary experience. <laughs> you don't need it. Just flap your little wings and have a good time. That's the way I like it. 
fanaticism. Why? The old mother scoops off to one side and soars around watching them. They just have a good time because they're resting in the ever presence of the mother. And the ability she has, if one gets topsy-turvy and gets out of line, she'll scoop him up on her big wings and bring him back to grace again. Amen. That's right. Don't worry. Don't worry about fanaticism. If something is in your heart breathing upon you, God's always ever present. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll bring you back to the power and the grace of God. Got two big wings full of it here. She goes off and she watches them. And if one gets topsy-turvy, just a little bit out of line, she just dips right on him with her big wings, beating. Brings him right back up again and places him in the place. Now, they go so high... And she can fly so fast, they can't, why she can fly a hundred times faster than he can fall. She sets up big wings and scoops right down and picks him up. Lays him right up and here he comes right back up the rest of them. We should never condemn a brother when he's topsy-turvy. Just remember, Mama will pick him up. That's all there is to it. If he's the eagle, he's got to come back. Bring him right back again and place him with the group. Just keep on flopping your wings. The little flappers just a going, you know. They're having a Pentecostal revival. Way up in the blue. Where there's no rats, no mice, no lizards, no frogs. Nothing can harm them. Oh, I like to lift me up above the shadows. Give me place my feet on higher ground. Lift me up above the shadows where the true word of God is found. In that kingdom filled with glory. Oh, that's where I want God to take me. Take me away from this earthbound quacking and going on down here. Let me get up to where we're above the shadows, up into the heavenly blues. Know that his eye watches over us. Now the chicken don't know anything about that. You just don't know what to do. I can see those little eagles up there flopping around, and a bunch of little chickens down there scratching around in the manure pile. Look up like that, they such fanaticism. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Why, he doesn't know what they're doing. He can't get up there. He can't get his feet off the ground. That's the way with people sometimes. You're so earthbound until they stand on man's word instead of God's word. God said so. That settles it. Eagles believe it. I don't know about chickens. But eagles believe every word that God says the truth. They stay right on. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, the Lord says that, they say amen to it. If Jesus said the works that I do shall you also, they say amen to it. They believe it. God checks them by that. I heard a story one time that there was a farmer that was going to set a hen. Now I guess all you people know what it takes to make a set of eggs. And he liked one egg and having enough. And he put an eagle's egg under the hen. That's about the way it averages, one to a setting. But <clears throat> however, when this little fellow was passed out, he was a stranger in a strange land. <laughs> That's why when some of these places hatch out an eagle once in a while. 
He didn't know what to do. He didn't, couldn't understand their language. But he had to get out there and scratch in the barnyard or tuck, 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 tuck. The days of miracles are fast. There's no such a thing as divine healing. All that Holy Ghost stuff is fanaticism. He couldn't understand that. He's kind of by himself. And he looked around and thought, is this where I belong? Now, don't look up that way because that was one time, but we're down here now. But he couldn't understand that. He looked up and looked pretty good to him. Why? It was his nature. He was an eagle to begin with. He wasn't home. Did you ever see them like that? I was one of them. So then the first thing you know, the clucking of the hen, he couldn't understand it. The chickens that are dieting the way they eat, well, he couldn't understand that. He'd turn his little stomach to see the way they eat. Sometimes it does a real Christian in an old formal church. The diet, bunco games, card parties, soup suppers for the preacher. God, don't endorse that! So then the first thing you know, one day while he was out there running along by himself, looking around, his little wings folded, didn't know what to do, and all the little chickens just eating away on their diet. He couldn't understand it. But there come an old mother eagle through the sky hunting for him. She flew over. I'm so glad that he found me one day, too. I never found him. He found me. I know there was something somewhere. There was something in my heart when they told me that visions and things is of the devil. That divine healing, that was just mental conditions. There was something down there that told me different. I know that was wrong. The old mother eagle flew by and she looked down and she saw her child. And she screamed. And when she screamed, he understood that language. She screamed, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That old eagle said, that sounds right. She come back across again. She said, son, you're not a chicken. You're a lion. I'm so glad. Hallelujah. You're my child. You don't belong among them chickens. She looks again. Could I be mistaken? I'll test him. God always tests his children by the word. And she screams back. And she said, if you are an eagle and you believe, how get out of here, mama? Only thing you do is just jump and start flapping your little wings. They'll pack you. Jump, run towards your altar, and flap that little face you got a little bit. See what I'll do for you. You're sickly and they're dying. Just make a run towards Calvary. Use that face you got. Watch what happens. He made a jump. See, because he was an eagle. Now, if he'd been a chicken, he'd said, You never get me hooked up in that bunch of holy rollers. You'll never get me in that fanaticism. Oh, no. But he was an eagle, and he minded the word. And he, man, that's a Christian. When the Bible says anything, he'll say amen to it. Because the Holy Ghost that gave him birth is the one that wrote the word. He began to flop his little flappers, and he jumped up as hard as he could. He didn't care what it looked like, holy rolling them chickens or not. He's obeying the word that was told him. And he jumped. And he started flapping his little wings. And he got his feet off the ground. Felt pretty good. And then he lived out on the barnyard post. 
right in the middle of a Pentecostal organization who fences all the chickens in and says, don't associate with that country. <laughs> we got him. And his mother come back. She said, son, you'll have to jump higher now or I'll never get you. That's the way it is, brother. You've got to jump into the arms of God. You've got to get off your feet. You've got to get off the denominational porch. You've got to throw your arms out to every man and woman that professes Jesus Christ to be a son of God. Certainly, love them. Break down your barriers. Don't fence them in. Eagles can fly, fence. She caught him. Oh, how good it was. Take, take the first solo fight up into the air because he was an eagle. No doubt we'll watch these eagles here tonight that's never took your first solo flight. You don't know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know what it is to have the joy bells of God ringing in your heart. Maybe you'd look and see the power of God moving like a blind man standing here last night to receive his sight. See, the angel of the Lord promised to the Bible as we've been preaching this week showing that he would do the same thing just before the Lord Jesus came that he did in the days of Sodom. How did a man came, a human, look like, dressed like a man, dust on his clothes, said he was a stranger, sat down with Abraham, the elected church. While there was a modern Billy Graham and so forth, and Jack Shure went out and blinded the people by preaching the gospel in Sodom to the lukewarm church to call them out. But an angel come to the elected and stayed there with Abraham and his group. Watch what he did. He said, Abraham, where is your wife Sarah? How did he know he had a wife? How did he know your name was Sarah? said, she's in the tent behind you. And Sarah in the tent laughed within herself. And the angel said, why did Sarah laugh? An eagle will catch that right quick. An eagle will know that we're at the last day. Jesus said, as it was back there at Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Friends, this has been a rude message, but I don't mean it to be rude, but I want to drive it home to you that man that is born to the Spirit of God believes the things of God. And God is trying today to get a people together so we'll not be bound by orders and so forth, so we can fellowship together, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Nazarene, Pilgrim Holiness, and one great big ransom church. Will we come to the Lord Jesus? We're getting ready to take a flight, to never return again till the tribulation periods are over and we return back for the millennium. It's a long flight. It's all the way into glory. Jehovah Eagles are coming. We feel the power. We see the shadow. We hear his language as it spoke among his people. My sheep know my voice. A stranger they'll not follow. If you're here tonight and has never had the experience of being born an eagle, may you receive him now as we pray when we bow our heads. How many at the closing of this service that realizes within you that you're not a Christian. Though you may belong to church, you may be a charter member of some famous church, which I have nothing to say against, that's all right. But as far as having faith, 
to rise off of a cot, faith to accept your healing when the doctor has done all he can do for you, not doubt or take the second chance, but just look and say, God, you are him and I believe you. I'm ready for my flight. Or man and woman, if you haven't got that experience with God, that you know that he keeps his word. If he dumps you out in midair, you're an eagle. He watches over you. He watches to perform his word. He likes to see what you'll do about it. Don't be afraid. He'll take you. He'll catch you. He'll bear you up. Put you back into his kingdom. If you're not a Christian tonight, would like to be remembered in this closing prayer as the service is coming to the end. Would you raise your hand while you have your head bowed and say, Remember me, Brother Branham, as you pray. The Lord bless you, you, you. Roll back through the building, down the middle road, over to my right now. How many over there? Look at your hands. God bless you. More. Raise your hands. Remember me, God. I am not a Christian. I may belong to church, but and I may belong to a Pentecostal church. I may belong to the Pilgrim Holiness, Baptist, or Presbyterian. I'm not a Christian. I just go there because it's a church. Have mercy on me, God. I hold my hand. Ask for pardon and grace. There's some hundred, hundred and fifty hands is it up now. Is there another would say, Remember me, O Lord, tonight. I haven't got faith. I don't and that's sin. That is sin. When a when a man or a woman doubts the word of God, it's sin. He that believeth not is condemned already. Is that right? He that condemneth, believeth not, is condemned already. You believe that? So what is sin? Unbelief. If you've got unbelief in your heart, pray now. Lord, we are bringing to close this portion of the service tonight. And we thank thee because that thou hast given us so many things to look at. Nature, the word, that life, the bird life, the life of the eagle, the life of the tree. And the greatest example we have is the life of Christ, which was to be reproduced in us by the Holy Spirit. When he was on earth, he said, It's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. And he went about, and when people came to him, like Simon Peter, he told him what his name was and what his father's name was. Peter recognized it to be the Messiah. When Philip found Nathaniel and told him he had found the Messiah, he couldn't believe it. But when he saw him coming, he said, Behold an Israelite, and who is no guile? He said, Rabbi, when did you know me? He said, Before Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. He said, Thou art the Christ. Thou art the, the King of Israel, the Son of the living God. He recognized him to be the Messiah. A poor prostitute at the gate come out to get the water one morning as Jesus sat at the well down in Samaria, an off-caste people. And when Jesus spoke to her and told her of her conditions, that she had five husbands, she said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. We know when the Messiah cometh. He'll tell us these things. He said, I'm he that talks to you. And she ran into the city saying, Come see a man who told me the things that I've done. Isn't this the Messiah? We hear him say, I can do nothing within myself, but what I see the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. Promising these things would happen 
at the end of the Gentile age, as it was in the days of Sodom. And here we are seeing them return back and happening right before our eyes. We hear the newspapers or read them. We hear the radio and the television of the talks of Russia and the atheistic world, of the communists, of great planes. And we see people who know that are committing suicide, trying to drink it off or laugh it off or joke it off or Hollywood jokes. God, we've got to face the fact the end is here. It's the end time. May there not be a one of these tonight that raise their hands have to face you with sin on their life. May you forgive them just now of all their trespasses. Give them thy spirit, O Lord. And may they live eternally. For it is written in the word, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has eternal life, and shall never come to the judgment, but hath passed from death to life. Let it be with each of those, Lord. May I have the privilege on the other side of shaking their hand. They think it was that that you talked with that night that I accepted Jesus as my Savior when life is all over for us. Fill those with the Holy Spirit who hasn't received it. Give faith to the sick for healing. And may we be able to humble ourselves and submit ourselves unto thee that you could come and fulfill your promise as you promised in St. John 14, 12. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Grant it, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to you who raised your hand. I believe you were deeply sincere in that. And I'm going to ask you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, immediately after I run the prayer line, there's so many sick here. And I, I've got to run the prayer line. But you don't have to come up here if you really accepted him when you raised your hand. He took you. Your name went on the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't you rest until you feel that wind coming through the wings of the eagle, like it did on the day of Pentecost. For God is no respected person. I know there's a bunch of fanaticism that goes on under the name of Pentecost, but that's not real Pentecost. No. That's impersonation. But there is a real Holy Spirit. Why would you accept the substitute when the skies are full of the real? Now, don't do it. God will give you the Holy Spirit. For Peter said on the day of Pentecost, the promise is unto you and to your children, to them it's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's right. Now, I want you, as soon as the healing service is over, the prayer for the sick, I want you to come up here and stand around the altar when we make the altar call. And offer thanks to God that the people here can see that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. For he said, if you'll confess me before man, him will I confess before my Father and the holy angels. May the Lord bless you. Now, we're going to call a prayer line. Just before we do this, I might say this. We're late. Not a little late. Not too late. We're never late. Peter, I believe, preached the Holy Ghost gospel all night long. A man fell, killed himself. He laid his body over him, life come back. I believe God. Now, as for if there be any strangers here who's never been in the meetings before, I do not profess to be a healer. And any man that professes to be a healer, he's a healer, all right. See? But not of God. 
for there is no healing except divine healing. There's no medicine that'll heal. I've never had a real doctor to tell me as it is. Mayo Brothers, when I had the interview, you read the miracle of Donnie Martin and, and that issue of Reader's Digest, the miracle of Donnie Martin, I was called in. And they said, we do not profess to be healers. We only profess to assist nature. There's one healer, that's God. We cannot build tissue, but we can keep a place clean while God builds the tissue. That's doctors, real doctors. See, A doctor can set a bone, but he can heal it. God has to. Someone said to me one time, said, what about penicillin? Killing the cold germs. I said, you ever have a house full of rats? You put out rat poison? You're eating up your house? The rat poison kills the rats, but it don't patch the holes. That's what penicillin does. It kills the germ, but it doesn't heal because God is the only healer there is. Psalms 103.3, I'm the Lord who heals all your diseases. Doctors take their own medicine and die. God's the healer. So healing, as far as God was concerned, when Jesus died at Calvary, he was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes, we were healed. Is that right? Then you say, I was saved five minutes ago, Brother Branham. No, you wasn't, sister, brother. You were saved 1,900 years ago. You just accepted it five minutes ago. See? That's right. You're healing. This young man on the cots and the stretchers and, and these little children in braces and, and you with heart trouble and, and diseases. You were healed 1,900 years ago. The only thing you have to have is faith to accept it. And if you was a sinner... God didn't come down and save you just a few minutes ago. It was you come and got saved by believing, accepting what he'd done for you. Now, no one can heal. God is the healer, and it's already did. It's just to prove your faith in God. It's called faith healing. Your healing. Now, God is a good. He sends his word. If you won't believe his word, then he puts in the church five different offices. First, apostle, prophet, Teachers, pastors, evangelists, they are for the perfecting of the church. And in each local body, he puts nine spiritual gifts in the local body. That's gifts that go from one to the other. But these are ordained and predestinated of God. Gifts and callings are without repentance. You know that? Sure they are. Now, then God sets them in the church. Now, Jesus promised that the prophets promised that there would be a day come. That it wouldn't be neither night nor day, be a dismal, but said in the evening time it shall be light. How many ever read that in the scripture, sure? What happened? Geographically, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, his goodness fell on the eastern people first, as the rising of the sun. Now there's been a day that's passed over that it's not dark, it's dismal. We've had enough knowledge of the Word to, and God to get saved, join the church, so forth. But he said, in the evening time, it shall be light on the Western people, just like it was on the Eastern people. The same sun that rises in the East sets in the West. We're at the closing of the Gentile age. That's the Eastern people. This is the Western people. And the same Holy Ghost that came in a man called Jesus Christ and performed miracles, promised that at the setting of the sun that he would return back and would do the very same things that he did when he was here at the Eastern people. Now, anybody knows that's the truth. 
as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be. What did he do? He never healed people. He never claimed to be a healer. He said, it's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. He said, the, uh, only the Son can do nothing in himself, St. John 5, 19. The Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. So then, if Jesus has raised from the dead, and if he keeps his promise that he'll work those things, now, if he was standing here tonight wearing this suit that he gave me, and you walk up to him and say, Lord, I'm sick, will you heal me? He'd say, child of mine, I did that when I died for you at Calvary, for I was wounded for your transgressions. With my stripes, you were healed. Now, he might be able to, and would be able, to perform signs to show you that he was the Messiah. And if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he'll give the same Messiah sign that he gave to the Eastern, he'll give to the Western, because he promised he would do it. How did the people know he was Messiah? When Peter was brought to him by Andrew, his brother, and Jesus never seen him before, he said, Your name is Simon. You're the son of Jonas. And that ignorant fisherman who could not even write his own name become the head of the church because he believed it. Quickly went Philip to find Nathaniel. And when Nathaniel was found, and he was told that they'd found the Messiah, why, he said, could there be any good thing come out of of that little old country down there called Nazareth City? He said, come see, that's the best thing to do. And when he told him about what he'd done to Peter, told him, said, you know, like maybe their conversation is something like this. We know that Moses promised us, now that's Israel, Moses promised us that when Messiah would come, that he'd be a God prophet. How many knows that's true? The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like unto me. How many knows he's talking to Messiah? He'd be a God prophet. And he said, this man meets the qualifications. So he walked over to where he was. And as soon as he came into the congregation, into the prayer line or wherever it was where Jesus was praying, Philip the claim went 15 miles around the mountain to get him, 30 miles, come back the next day with him, brought him to the meeting where Jesus was holding the healing services. And when he come up before Jesus, Jesus said, Behold an Israelite in whom there's no God. He said, Rabbi or Reverend, teacher, whatever you wish to call it. How did you know me? You've never seen me before. He said, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. Right then he fell on his face and said, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. The woman, that Samaritan woman, as soon as Jesus told her that she was living in sin and told her the secret of her heart, as soon as Jesus Christ told the Samaritan woman, now the Jews was looking for the Messiah. So was the Samaritans. But the Gentiles, we had clubs on our back and worship idols in them days. We wasn't looking for no Messiah. He never manifested. He said, don't go to the Gentiles. Their time will be later. But you go to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's looking for him, these Samaritans. So he went by. And this woman's standing there. He said, bring me a drink. She said, well, it's not customary. We got segregation here and so forth. And when Jesus... Got down to, he found where her trouble was. He said, go get your husband and come here. She said, I have no husband. Said, you said, right, because you got five husbands. She said, sir, listen. Now the Jews, when he did that, they said he was a fortune teller. Beelzebub. Jesus said, I'll forgive you for that. But someday the Holy Spirit will come and you speak a word against it. That's this day. There is never forgiveness. In this world, neither in the world to come. How many knows that scripture? 
So if you don't believe, don't say nothing. Just keep stealing. Go ahead. For Jesus said it would be unforgivable. That's exactly what he was doing. That he had a call in the Spirit of God, discerning what was the people's trouble, an evil spirit. The Spirit of God, blaspheming, calling it an evil spirit. The Spirit of God. They didn't have spiritual discernment to know it was the Spirit of God. He said, well, you can discern the face of the skies. If you'd have known me, you'd have known my day. They knew it used to be that God prophet, but they couldn't understand it. Their eyes were blared and dimmed, and they just couldn't understand it. So they had eyes, but they can't see ears and can't hear. So is it today amongst the Gentiles. But listen, shake your understanding. Then we find him promising when he went away, the works that I do shall you also. Even more than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. Now, how many believe that God is an infinite God? Sure he is. Then if God ever makes a decision to do something a certain way, He's got to forever stay with that, or he made a mistake. I can do anything. I make a mistake. I'm finite. But God is infinite. You can't say, I was wrong. I'll try it over. What God does the first time, it's perfect. Amen. And if he declared himself as Messiah and said that was the Messiah, and all that believed it to be the Messiah was showing that sign, they're in glory today. Now, he cannot let the Gentiles go into the kingdom without first vindicating himself as Messiah to them at the end of their age as he did at the end of their age. He promised it as it was in Sodom, which we went over through the night. It will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Here it is, friends. Not because that we're here. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to boast up a, a full gospel people. No, sir. It's because my feathers are the color of theirs. That isn't it. There's room for all of us. Jacob dug the thir third well and said there's room for all. Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, whosoever will, let him come. People in the Baptist church, the church that I'm from, got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Presbyterian, my father's people are Catholic. Many of them come and get the Holy Ghost. It's for anybody, whosoever will. If you're born to eagle and you look up and see them soarings and blessings of God, you're ready for it. Just take a hold of it. Hang on to it. It's God. Now. The hour has come. The pillar of fire has appeared to us again. You've got the pictures of it. It's in Washington, D.C., under a copyright, that if I die, if I never see you all again, my testimony is the truth. The scientists know it. The church knows it. I've been around the world. It knows it. She's ready for judgment. There's only one way that judgment can come. That's when mercy is spurned. When you spurn mercy, there's nothing left but judgment. Our nations have spurned mercy. Billy Graham, around the world, preaching the gospel. Jack Shuler, Oral Roberts, all many of them. Signs and wonders. There's been preachers. There's been gifts of healing. Prophetic and all. And they drink and they gamble and they laugh and make fun and commit adultery and live in sin. There's one thing left. That's a hydrogen bomb. And it's headed this away. Remember... I tell you that in the name of the Lord. So it's judgment is upon this nation. She spurned God for her last. There's no more hope. There will be a few stragglings coming in to receive the Holy Spirit, but the time of America's judgment is close at hand. Mark that in your book and see if it comes to pass. All right. Now, we can pray for people. God can call. 
Now, the Bible said that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? If, he, if he's the same, he has to be the same in principle, the same in power. The only thing is his body is sitting at the right hand of God. We all believe that. He's sitting at the right hand of God on God's throne. That's not his throne. He's coming back to reign on his throne. It's the throne of David. He has to take his throne. He's sitting on God's throne, waiting till the last enemy has made his footstool. He will return someday, bringing the precious souls with him to take on immortality, to live in a glorified body, live through a millennium and then forever with him. Listen, we're at the end time. The judgment is at hand. Mercy is being offered tonight. This is the last night of the meeting. You invited me back. I hope that that is the will of God. It's my will. If it's his will, I'll be glad to put it. Come back to help all you ministers. I don't care what church or denomination you're from. The only thing, I'm, I'm not against the denomination, I'm against the sin that goes on in the denomination and you let it alone. Not only that, I'm against the sin in every individual, the sin in a nation. I'm just against sin because God's word's against it. And I must stand true to that word. That's right, if I have to stand by myself, I have to stand by it. That's my honest conviction that God's word is true and everything else is a lie outside of it. That's God's word. God made this promise. He appeared to me in an angel. You read my book and also. It's been vindicated by millions and millions and millions around the world. It's true. Now, we'll call the prayer line, pray for the sick, see what the Holy Spirit will say. Now, there'll be some here that doesn't have prayer cards. How many here are sick and doesn't have prayer cards? Raise up your hand. All right. Apostles are declared insane. They said, you're a mad. What does the word mad mean? Crazy. Agrippa told Paul, preaching this same gospel, said, you're crazy. He said, and the way that's called crazy, that's the way I worship the God of our fathers. The way that's called crazy, see, that's the way I worship God. I'm glad I can join hands with Paul tonight. I do the same thing. Now, when Jesus, that woman, touched, he pressed to the crowd, touched that outside garment, which was underneath one also, but the outside garment, the border of his garment, for she said within her heart, no scripture to back it up. you got scripture to back it up now. But she didn't have any scripture. She said, if I touch the board of his garment, I'll be made well. How many remembers the story? Why, certainly. She said, I believe the man. There's something about him, and I believe that he's honest and sincere. And I believe he is the Messiah. So she slipped through the crowd, and she touched his garment. She squeezed back through the crowd again. And everybody was shaking hands with him and patting him on the shoulder. And he stopped. I'm talking to you without a prayer card. Stopped and looked around and said, who touched me? Why, it got such a great thing till even Peter rebuked him. In other words, I said this, what do you mean anyhow? Who touched you? Well, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about saying who touched me? How could we tell? Everybody touched you. He said, but I perceive that virtue went out of me. Given to the Father, returned back upon the earth with his disciples, 40 days and nights, was taken up again. He met Paul some months after that on the road to Damascus, and he was stricken down. And when Paul looked up, what was there? A pillar of fire. Is that right? And the voice came from it said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Lord, who are you that I'm persecuting? He said, I'm Jesus, the same God that was in the wilderness with the children of Israel, that dwelt in a body that he created himself and tabernacled in flesh. And through that sanctified body, given that blood which was not brought here by sexual desire, 
Given that life, that blood shed on Calvary, sanctifies our life that the same Holy Spirit would live in the church to continue the work of Christ. Perfect. Now the last days has come. Here he is, he's got his picture taken. When George J. Lacey, the head of the FBI and fingerprinting documents, stood up before the people at Houston there at the Shell Laboratory and said, I've been a critic myself. I've been a critic of Mr. Branham. I said it was psychology. He said, but psychology, that mechanical eye of the camera won't take psychology. That pillar of fire was hanging there. It struck the lens. That's the head of the FBI in fingerprinting documents. There it hangs in Washington, copyrighted. The only supernatural being was ever photographed. Now, we've got the picture of it, haven't you? You've got a right to ask the Douglas Studios or so forth about it. They've taken it. George J. Lacey, look at my book. There's his name, place, everything. Ask him. You see it. It comes down. It does the same thing. It moves and proves itself. Now, if it is that same Christ working through a sinner saved by grace, it'll work through you a sinner saved by grace, and it'll bear the same record that it did when it was in the unadulterated Son of God. For the works that I do shall you do also. Is that true? Our scripture, friends. I wouldn't do one thing unless the Scripture said it was so. Now, be reverent. You people, did all the fifty get in line? Don't know him, never met him in my life. He's a man. Here we are meeting for our first time. If this isn't just exactly like it was in the Bible time, when Peter came to the Lord Jesus, or when Philip was found by Nathaniel, now, if the Holy Spirit, if Jesus Christ is here... And whatever is in your heart, like the woman at the well or so forth, whatever is in your heart, I don't know. But if God will reveal it and tell me something that, that you know that I don't know nothing about, would you believe it was the Lord Jesus permitting that? You would? How many audience would believe it? Here, now the showdown. If I told the truth, if I told the truth about Jesus Christ, he's obligated to back that word up. Yes, sir. And if I haven't, he'll do nothing about it. Christ won't fool with an arrow, you know that. He won't bless an arrow, but he will. He's obligated to stand behind the truth. Now I say that he's not dead. He's alive, and he's alive right here tonight. I'm a man. Got to stand before him like you have. Now, if I, if I come up here and lay my hands on him and say, Hallelujah, praise God, you're going to get well, praise the Lord. It's true, see? The Bible said prayer of faith shall save the sick, and I may have faith to believe that. You have a right to believe that. But now what if the Holy Spirit comes and goes back down yonder and tells you something that you know I don't know nothing about? You know whether that's the truth or not. Then if he knows what you have been, he certainly will know what will be. Is that right? Now, be reverent. I want you to worship the Lord, but when if I'll at least have one, and now and then, wherever in a few minutes, then so I can get to the audience. But how many will promise by the grace of God that they'll believe if God will work? This me and this man both with me and my our hands up that we've never met before in life. Just right here. I may the Lord grant it. Now I just want you to answer me. Now you're aware that something is going on. A real sacred feeling. If that's right, raise up your hand. Now the audience, I don't know whether you see or not, the man between me and him sends that light that you got the picture of standing there now. 
I see the man fading away from me. And he's here for a child. That's right. Someone else. It's a child. It's a baby. About three months old. Just a little bitty fella. And you're, the baby has a heart trouble. That's true. You're not from here. You're from Indiana. Anderson, Indiana. Go home and find your baby well in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that? Just have faith. Don't doubt. Believe. Believe God. Now, do you all believe? All right. Now, if I don't say one word to you about discernment, you believe, won't you? Then go in your arthritis. Won't talk. Amen. Brother kid, I know you. So, therefore, I won't try to just deserve it. I'm going to pray for you. Dear God, I know that this dear old preacher, brother, was preaching before I was born. I pray for him. He's been a darling man. I've seen you bring him over a conversation on the telephone when we prayed for him, him laying in the hospital in a heart attack. You heal him. Here he is, going way into 80 years old. I pray that you'll bless him. This darling little wife of his also worked in coal mines with her own hands to send her husband on the gospel mission to preach the word. We love them. The sweeter little couple I know not of. I pray, Father, that you'll extend their days and talking to them. And she crying and saying, Brother Branham, I'm too old and I don't know what to do. I see the need so great. Help her, Lord. Bless them and may the blessings of God rest upon them. This condition is growing over his eyes. I pray, God, that it'll be healed. I pray, God, that you'll heal our sister, that that stomach condition in her body will be taken from her. All ailments may they lead through Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you, brother kid. God bless you, sister kid. No Yes. What is it, sister kid? She was healed standing right here at the platform, held her hand out and said, it's gone. The cancer has moved away. So praise be to God. See, that's how close to God really is. You believe that the Lord will heal you? Been awful nervous, have you? Got your stomach all upset. That's right. <laughs> but you want to go eat? Just go on and eat. Believe with all your heart. And go and eat and eat and make you up. Now, do you believe with all your heart? If Jesus will tell me what your trouble is, will you believe with all your heart? Or it's your back condition. You bless you so you can go on your own and be made well. Do you believe with all your heart? Everything? All right. Your heart trouble will go sunny. You go on your own and rejoice and be happy. Do you believe you had trouble in your back, too? So go on your road and be happy. Say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You got in trouble. It's a man which is getting up. But then inside that, been nervous, heart trouble. So just go on your road and rejoice. Jesus Christ makes you well. If I don't say a word to you, pray for you. You believe that God will heal you? Come here. I lay my hands by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the commission of Jesus Christ upon the man. May he be healed. Right back here, praying for a, a child that has nervous conditions, nervous oppressions. You yourself are nervous, and you're sitting there praying for that. If that's right, raise up your hand. All right? Go home. You have your desire. What did she touch? She never touched me. She touched the high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmity. You're letting them know how. That's right. You believe me as his prophet now, with all your heart. You believe God knows who you are? If he knew who Peter was, he'd know who you was. Is that right? All right, Mrs. Alexander, you can go home and be made well. Jesus Christ. 
Have faith. Don't doubt. Believe with all you. You want to worship God. Now raise up your hands and worship God. If you just feel like it, like to thank Him. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. May the people really understand, Lord, that it's your present here to do just the things that you promised to do. Let it be so, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come now, sister. Believe. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will. That lady sitting right back here, way back there, looking right at me, praying, got head trouble, headache. Go, Jesus Christ makes you well now. You can go and be made well. God bless you. I can't tell now just who you are, but I know you somehow. But I don't know nothing about you. But you're standing here for a desire for a growth to be taken off of you. A mold on the heel. Foot. Go, believe it. You'll receive it. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you believe? Have faith now. Don't doubt. Just believe. How do you do? Do you believe the things that you see come from God? Now something's happening out there. You're believing. That's good. It ought to settle it. I'm a stranger to you. You're a stranger to me. But God knows both of us. If he'll reveal what your trouble... This is a scene, just like it was Jesus went one time and sat down by a well. And a Samaritan woman come out. And he talked to her and told her what was in her heart. She believed him and said that was a sign of the Messiah. Is that right? A man... That's what you want prayer for. you got a loved one you're praying for. It's in the hospital. It's your husband. He's paralyzed in his back. That's right. From Dayton, that's right, your local William, go back home and receive that what you asked for. Take that later on in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe? Have faith in God. Are we strangers to each other? I do not know you. You do not know me. Now, here's a beautiful picture. In the days of our Lord, St. John, the fourth chapter, if the Bible still lives, let God prove that it lives. I'm... Anglo-Saxon, you're an Ethiopian by nature, by birth, by color, by race. Jesus was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. And she said, we have a segregation. It's not customary for you Jews saying things to Samaritans. But Jesus let her know right quick that God was God of all nations. The country we live in, changing our colors, had nothing to do with our soul. We can blood transfuse each other. What more? We're all the creatures of God. Was raised in different parts of the country, and we're some yellow, some brown, some white, some black. That has nothing to do with it. We're all off of one tree, Adam, God's creature. Now, this would be a perfect Bible scene, our first time meeting. If God will reveal to me in your heart, you be the solemn judge. If God will reveal what you're here for, or something that you know that I know nothing about, would you solemnly believe it and do like that woman? Go tell your people truly. The Holy Ghost is here doing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, for I see him working among the people. Like that woman went in and said, come see a man who told me what I've done. Isn't that the very Messiah? See? That was a sign of the Messiah. Would you be able to do the same? Would all the colored people here, all whatever, do the same, believing with all your heart? Now, by my Bible, 
I've never seen a woman in my life. I don't know one thing about her. Now, I guess this is the first time we ever walk face to face in life. But that's right, just so the people see. Now, if God be God, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, then he keeps his word. If he doesn't, then he isn't God. He has raised from the dead. If he has raised from the dead, then he's for each one of you. Every one of you. Here's a perfect Bible picture again. May God grant it. Me not knowing. Now, I won't have to look at you. That has nothing to do with it. But Jesus talked to the woman just now. Now, if God will tell me, what's your trouble? Then you'll believe. Because you know I don't know. You're nervous. Your main trouble, which has caused you to have a stomach trouble. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, do you believe? You say, Brother Brandon, you might have guessed that. Let's see what he would say anymore. Yes, there's something else wrong with you. It's a knot on your left leg. You believe? You think it was guessing? She's a good person, a fine spirit. The angel of the Lord is standing right between me and this woman. At the day of the judgment, you'll find out that angel you're looking at on a picture isn't two feet from where I'm standing right now. Look here again. You got a friend you won't pray for. It's paralyzed. You believe now? Go receive what you've asked for, sister. Believe with all your heart. All of you believe with all your heart. God bless you, sister. While you stand there, you believe that arthritis left you. Maybe it's going. If God will reveal to me looking this way, not reading your mind, you take your hand loose if I tell you the truth. And then you'll go home and won't have the asthma no more. Stop coughing. If that's right, raise your hand up. <laughs> go ahead, brother. God bless you. Some woman, since that colored woman was praying for, has been appearing here. The pull is coming from this. Yes. Staying right down there with diabetes. Do you believe that the Lord Jesus make you well? You're spraying, wasn't you, lady? If that's right, raise up your hand so they can see. All right? Go home and be well. Jesus Christ make you well. See the power of the Holy Ghost after healing that other girl coming right around there and that getting together? Brother, when we get in one accord in one place, something happens. It's got to. If you'll quit doubting and just let the Holy Spirit have its way. Come, sister. The Holy Spirit just pushing its way in, seems like. I just seem like the audience is getting milky looking out there. That man sitting there seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost sitting back there. Believe with all your heart, sir, and you'll receive it. Come, sister, in the name of Jesus Christ. For back trouble, Jesus Christ makes you well. Leave now. Don't doubt. Come. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. You believe? If God would tell me your trouble, would you believe it? Yes. That man on the cot. You're believing, sir? That ambulance stretcher. You appeared in front of this man just now. 
You're a minister. Got asthma. Reverend Dalton, you may go home and be well. Jesus Christ, make you. You believe God will heal you? Take that cancer of death away from you? You accept it with all your heart? If you do, you'll die laying there. You can only live by trusting God. If you believe it and believe it, he'll make you well, take that what you got and go home and get well in the name of Jesus Christ. How many in here believe that Jesus Christ is here? How many believers is here? Raise your hand. Young fellow laying here on the stretcher, do you believe? How many believe? How many will want to believe? Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Do you believe that? Then lay your hands on one another. Lay your hands on one another. Just raise over everybody. Lay your hands on one another. Here it is. This is it. Now pray for the person you got your hands on. <laughs> 